Welcome to Fat Mascara. I am Jess. <laughs> that was very robotic. I'm Jen. Welcome to Fat Mascara. I think I am robotic because we are doing this remotely. <laughs> Your face is very big right now. I see you wore a lipstick for me today, too. Oh, I wore, yeah, I wore like a fancy lipstick. I got up and as soon as I woke up, I thought, okay. I'm going to be seeing Jen in like 40 minutes. So it was a mad dash to get ready. Well, it looks great. I even primed for you. Oh, you have primer on? I have primer. Wow. I like it. Looks good. Thank you. Well, welcome to Fat Mascara, everyone. So week two of our remote recordings, right? I think it's going well. I think it's going well as far as the podcast. Not sure about the rest of the world. How oh, are yeah. you holding up? Um, <laughs> I didn't really sleep much. I, that's why I woke up so close to recording time. Um... Yeah. It's it's been rough. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm just warning you now because I know we have a lot to get through for the show and it's going to be a good one, but um yeah, I made it through the 2 weeks since I saw my friend with the virus, but I got oh god, I wanted to tell everybody just cuz I want to make sure everybody knows why I'm why I'm like I am. He um he's now in the ICU, so they had to put him on a ventilator and I'm just like still freaked out about that. Like I'm just Anyway, I just want everybody to know, I'm going to try and be upbeat. We're going to try and do the show like we normally do um, and, you know, send lots of thoughts and prayers to my friend and everybody else who's working on the front lines and suffering from this. And Jess, I know we talked about this briefly before we got on the uh, recording, but we just want to strike the right tone. Do you want to explain what we were talking about before? Yeah, you know, after we recorded the episode, the special bonus quarantine episode, you know, I was really excited to record it. Um, I had a lot of fun recording it and seeing Jen on the screen and reaching out to you. But after I felt kind of sick and I felt that maybe it came across as tone deaf. You know, I'm talking about like not being able to get a bikini wax and a bunch of um, frivolous stuff. And, And if I didn't make it clear at the top, we are completely cognizant that you know, there are people listening and and who you know, and who knows, maybe us who like have completely lost their livelihoods. Um, I get like Jen said, on the front lines, you know, who will not be here? Like, you know, this is life and death. And this is so serious. And we are not um, taking this lightly at all. So if any of this makes you you know, we're trying to have a little bit of a reprieve and just kind of have a moment of um, just distraction. And if any of this strikes you the wrong way, it doesn't make you feel good. We get it. Like, turn off the podcast, take a beat. We want this podcast to make you feel good. And if we're getting it wrong at any point, please just like know that we're trying to do something good and fun. And yeah. It doesn't come from a, a tone deaf place. Yeah. So on that note, it's not going to be like all virus talk all the time, but um, we do have some topics related to that and an amazing interview. Jess, what are we going to talk about? So we are going to talk about a listener question from the Facebook group about how, um, you know, wearing makeup during this crazy time. So the question leads us to believe, who do we wear makeup for? I love this topic. Um, very smart. Then we're going to talk about a New York Times article that Jen and I read while I was on maternity leave that struck me so deeply that I had to save it for when I came back. And then finally, another great topic from the Facebook group. You guys are on fire right now. What movies, books, TV shows give you the most beauty inspiration? I love this one. 
Yeah, that part when we planned that, that really cheered me up. So I'm excited to talk about that. And then our interview with Dr. Lara Devgan. She's a plastic surgeon based in New York City. And we fielded a bunch of questions from you guys. So it's Ask a Plastic Surgeon. Remember, of course, that the interview was recorded, I believe, before Jess's maternity leave back in January. So we don't talk about the world as it is today, but it's still really informative. And I think you guys are going to enjoy it. You ready, Jess? I'm ready. Let's do it. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey everyone, it's Jen, and I have decided this is going to be the summer of uniform dressing. I'm going to have a few pieces on heavy rotation, and I'm telling you right now, they're all going to be linen, and they're all going to be from Quince. I don't know why I'm going so hard on linen right now, but it just feels right. And Quince specializes in timeless pieces made of premium fabric, and the best part is that all the Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have premium European linen dresses, blouses, and shorts from $30. I am personally very into the 100% European linen pants. They're cropped and easy. There's even a cute pinstriped version. And when I wear them, I look like I just stepped off a yacht. Do I have a yacht? No. Do I know what yachters wear? No, but that's the vibe. The linen pants come in sizes extra small to 3X and they're less than $40. Okay, like 10 cents less, they're $39.90. But the quality is excellent and they wash really well. How does Quince do it? They cut out the cost of the middleman and pass the savings on to us. Plus, Quince works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash fat mascara for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's quince.com, Q-U-I-N-C-E, quince.com slash fat mascara to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash fat mascara. This episode of Fat Mascara is sponsored by BetterHelp. Listen, we all carry around different stressors, big and small. Therapy is a safe space to get those things off your chest. Plus, it can help you develop coping skills that make your life easier. I will give you an example. If you've listened to this podcast for a while, you've probably heard me say it to Jess or to a guest, reframe. Well, I learned that technique from a therapist. Here's an example. Now that I'm a freelance writer and podcaster, I get lonely working from home and I feel like I'm never gonna get to collaborate on projects again. And that's the truth. Reframe, I get to choose which projects I work on. So I'm in control of what I work on. And if I want to collaborate more with others, I don't have to ask anyone's permission. I can just do it. See what I did there? That's reframing. If you've been thinking about starting therapy or are looking for someone to help you process things and give you coping skills, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash mascara today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash mascara. Again, betterhelp.com slash mascara. Jen, you are looking good. 
Oh. Yet again. Thank you. You're welcome. This is a different lip today, though. This is like more of like a shiny nude. Oh, me. Yeah, actually, I put on lipstick for you once again. This is Marc Jacobs, and this is so funny. The name. Are you ready? I'm ready. Hey, stranger. <laughs> I like that. Because you are a stranger right now. What are you wearing for me? I am wearing Tom Ford. It's like a liquid lipstick. One of the only few that I like. It's Pussycat Matte. Oh, I think it's actually a, a mat and pussycat. It's it's lovely and it brings up the whole topic of you put on lipstick for me, I put up on lipstick for you, but like who do we wear makeup for, right? Well, this is a big topic. That sounds like very Carrie Bradshaw, like who do we wear makeup for? <laughs> I was wondering. In, the, in a statewide lockdown. <laughs> um, so we're all stuck at home. A lot of women are more focused on, or shouldn't just say women, a lot of people are more focused on skincare. Um, you know, some people are ditching makeup, but some people are like turning up the juice. So you're wearing makeup right now. Are you wearing it for me or would you be doing this just the same? It's funny. Uh, makeup wise, I haven't been wearing a, lo a lot of makeup, but I have been wearing like I had to curl my lashes, even if nobody was going to see me but myself, which has been a couple days here. I if I catch a glimpse of myself in the mirror, I wanted to have curled eyelashes and mascara because I don't have a lift and tint right now. It's just this thing. If I look at my face, even bare of makeup, I feel like I look tired if I don't do that. So I realized that must be the makeup that I do for myself, whereas the lipstick and a little tinted moisturizer, I fully realize now I put that on for other people. I'm not putting it on for myself. But I know there are other women and men who will put on color cosmetics just for themselves. I feel you. I put on tinted moisturizer for myself. I feel like I was thinking about this, you know, when I was reading the girl, um, the girl's like post. When I don't have anything on on my face, it feels like when I'm not wearing a bra. <gasps> I feel like yes. I'm not kind of sucked in. Absolutely. You know, I feel quite vulnerable. And, you know, I don't know if that's right or wrong or, you know, but it's true. And I, I have, you know, I don't have, thank God, I'm very lucky. I don't have problem skin or anything, but I need like a concealer to cover up those like dark, you know, circles. So it, like, it's like too vulnerable. Yeah. It's too, I feel too raw. I think cosmetics for a lot of people are like a... What do you call it what a warrior wears? They're their coverage. They're their protection. They're their armor. They make you feel like you're on. Yeah, armor. Thank you. Thank you. Armor is the word I'm looking for. Yeah, it's like, you know, the people I've been listening to all of these things about, you know, how to feel secure and sane during this crisis or even just how to like get shit done and everyone starts out with like have a routine and like don't wear your you know pajamas at your office at your desk to do your work like get dressed so you know I'm on mat leave still right now um you know technically speaking but you know I need to put on my makeup to feel like I'm not just this like blob kind of oozing through the apartment you know, doing nothing. I need to feel some kind of, uh, I keep on making this motion with my, with my hands, which I realize you can't see, but kind of like, you know, like a, like a suck in, like why some women like spanks. Yeah. Suck it all in. Of course it. Exactly. So it gives me a sense of routine. And also I think, you know, we've mentioned this at the bonus episode, it's a creative outlet for some people. You know, it's like now is the time to kind of experiment a little bit. I have an eyeliner look I really want to try. <laughs> okay, so for next episode, I would like you to bring the eyeliner. In fact, I might mention at this point before we rack, wrap up this segment, next episode I think is our 200th episode. It is! So maybe we should celebrate a little and we'll both put on um, a little makeup. But just, 
you know, join our private Facebook fan group. And there's like a, there's a really good discussion going on about this, like who we wear beauty for. And we'll keep talking about skincare and hair care because it's not just about color cosmetics, but I'm really glad that you're wearing lipstick for me. I feel like you got it together. I woke up 10 minutes ago. (laughs) Well, you don't look like it. Jen, we need to talk about the article. (laughs) It's only like a month after this article came out, right? In the New York Times. And we still bring it up a lot. It is almost exactly a month. So what's the article? So when I was on maternity leave, I was reading this article in the New York Times. And it's called The Diet Industrial Complex Got Me and It Will Never Let Me Go. It's by the writer Sarah Miller. And I love the um, like the the deck, which is like the little you know subheadline. She writes, "I did not see the body positivity movement coming, comma not at all." This article struck a chord with me so deeply. And what you know, listen, we're a beauty and wellness podcast, so. I hope you understand why we're talking about this. Well, also, you just had a baby. That's why this article struck you. Deeply. I mean, I think it would it struck me any time at any time of day, um, at any point in my life. But basically, the writer is saying, you know, she's a little bit older than I am, that she grew up in a time where dieting and, you know, wanting to be thin was the apex of, you know, of beauty. And... She can't, like, forgive my language, like, she can't, like, unfuck herself. You know, (laughs) she's looking at the climate now, and she wants to embrace herself at any size. She wants to be kinder to herself. And yet she writes, I still go to Weight Watchers every Saturday. You know, she didn't lose weight after a week of being, quote, unquote, perfect. She talks about sobbing furiously you know, like she was 12 years old all over again. I know that feeling. I still remember my favorite Weight Watchers like leader, you know, like I still think about him all of the time when I get on the scale. These things do not make me proud. And, you know, she writes like, you know, I know I should embrace myself at any size, but I like myself thin. As I'm coming out of this postpartum or entering this postpartum phase, all of these feelings are coming up for me. And what I'm struggling with is if I'm allowed to say them. Yeah, it's funny. Even when you mentioned Weight Watchers, I was like, right, because it's not called Weight Watchers anymore. They call it WW because the company itself realized that marketing wise, it's not super woke or super okay or on trend right now to talk about losing weight. It should be more about being healthy or feeling good about yourself. And, you know, what you said to me earlier makes so much sense. Like, Sometimes I don't, and I feel not cool for not feeling cool about myself, right? Exactly. And I feel not only like uncool and unevolved, and wow, you know, I'm 30 something years old and I'm still fighting the same battle that I did when I was 14 and 24 and 34, but I also now have the added weight, no pun intended, of pissing you guys off, the, you know, the listeners who are saying, fuck you you know, are you judging me? Or, wow, I'm listening to a beauty and wellness podcast from someone who is stuck in 1987 with these shitty body image standards, you know, like, but like this woman, I feel like 
you know, the, the die industrial complex got me like, you know, totally programmed and I'm trying to get out of it, yeah, but it's hard. I, I want to say too, I am going to say as your co-host, I would like to make it a safe space for you. I understand it's hard to talk about and you worry what other people are thinking about, but this is a beauty and wellness topic. You're feeling it personally. And I feel like everybody's going to cut you some slack if you need to talk about, hey, it's time for me to go back to work at Harper's Bazaar and I literally can't get on a skirt. So I'm going to have to wear, you know, Jeff's jeans or a pair of leggings to work. Caftans, caftans, <laughs> caftans. You know what? If, if you do you. So I feel like as we go through this together and we're both on, you know, as you become I don't know what it is. You're already a mother, but as you go through that, uh, what happened to your body during pregnancy, I'm going to cut you a lot of slack. I feel like everybody else is too. And we all have to realize everybody comes at this discussion with their own baggage and their own history. And you could put it in the context of the world today, but you still are a unique person. I'm there for you. I understand. Thank you. And I think, you know, I've thought about this, like, you know, clearly I've been like chewing on this for a month. I think people come to the show for honesty, like some of my favorite podcasts. I love them because they're not always PC, because they say how they really feel. And I don't always agree with the host, but I I appreciate authenticity, um, you know, such an overused word. But I hope you guys appreciate that I'm being real with you. You don't have to agree with me. You can DM me and tell me how, you know, you have, you know, evolved and how I need to get with it. That's fine. But um, this is this is the path I'm on. And I have a feeling some of you guys might relate to how I feel too. So anyway, um, updates as they come, but sounds good. We'll make a pact. This is, this is me. It's you. We'll be authentic. Deal with it. Fizzy bonkers. I love you. Fizzy bonkers is in our Facebook group and she started one of the most hopping discussions in the group. And also, I just love her name, Fizzy Bonkers. I'm Fizzy, and I'm bonkers for her. (laughs) Her avatar is like this crazy cat. Okay. (laughs) So she asks, what are some of your favorite beauty, quote unquote, movies, TV shows, books, etc., where you loved or were inspired by the looks? Go, Jen. Okay, well, the first thing I brought was a movie. And talk about unwoke. It's miscongeniality. (laughs) I'm sure you know it. It's Sandra Bullock as an FBI agent who infiltrates a beauty pageant series. There's a little bit of me in this. Literally everybody I've ever worked with has called me Gracie Lee Freebush because they think that character of Sandra Bullock is me. I see that very much so. And I just, this movie makes me laugh and smile. And is it my inspiration because I want to look like everybody does in the beauty pageant? No, but I just love the idea of, because this is how I've always felt in our job as a beauty editor. I've always felt like the rogue one who's like, oh, there's Jen in the corner and like black leather and like barely any makeup with like crazy hair. So I feel like I'm the Gracie Lee of the beauty world and she inspires me. I only saw that movie once, but I remember laughing really hard. Wasn't she kind of like goofy too? Oh yeah, clumsy. She's like but, funny. Yeah, but knew how to use a gun, but it was in this beauty world. Like honestly, if you watch it, and it, listeners, if you don't know me, it, it kind of is me. I'm not going to lie. What's one of yours? Oh, you're, I know you're going to be like, of course. A single man, Julianne Moore's hair and makeup in that movie chef's kiss we're so egotistical i know i know you pick someone that looked just like you oh in a perfect world i wish no she this movie is about 10 years old i think it's like 2009 she is 
perfection. She is this, uh, her character is a lonely best friend to Colin Firth. Um, she is so glamorous. I mean, I think I've done her a disservice by just calling her the lonely best friend. Her character is very complex. (laughs) Her eye makeup alone is worthy of an award, of an Academy Award. Her hair, her, it's almost like, you know, they say in Sex and the City, we were just talking about Sex and the City, is like the clothes are like the fifth character. Her hair and makeup is the fifth character in this movie. And if I remember correctly... Tom Ford is the director. Yes. And this was pre-Tom Ford Beauty. So perhaps after doing this, he realized, I need to come out with a cosmetics line <laughs> that will give everybody this glamorous Julianne Moore look. <laughs> Excellent. Okay, I'm moving on to television or streaming. Um, it, this just came out on Netflix. It's self-made, the story of Madam C.J. Walker. I love how you're getting all like brainy on me right now. When I thought we were just like dishing about like silly movies like what looks hot <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> i know but this it's just i was thinking about beauty just beauty in general her story has always inspired me and i they take a lot of liberties in this series i'm not gonna lie amazing soundtrack there's all this like music video like it's a very modern take on like a old story it takes place in the 19 early 1900s and she's building her beauty empire and she has a bit of a lipstick war like elizabeth arden and um revlon did in the 50s with another woman who's building up a hair products company and octavia spencer is a delight i love her you know the whole thing is just a lot of fun and uh i don't know if you want to learn about beauty it's it's truly we we always talk about marketing and the hype and how you might have a good product, but it's all about marketing. And you can see the start of the modern beauty industry in this movie, Self-Made. Um, it's on Netflix, I think. So there's another inspo for you. What else you got? I'm going to take it to a very different place right now. One of my favorite beauty movies is Jawbreaker. Did you ever see that movie? No. I was obsessed with it when I was a teenager. I don't even know what that is. All I know is the candy. It's the campiest, trashiest, most like would never get made today movie. It's with Rose McGowan. It's from 1999. But it's this like dark teenage comedy. And the color palette is so great. Basically, it's a a riff on Heather's. They like kill this girl by accident. Okay. And it's the campiest, funniest movie ever. But- the colors are incredible. Like it's all, it's the most 90s movie, like frosty eyeshadow, color coordinated, like, you know, to the outfits, bright pastel colors. It's the kind of, you know, in the 90s where all of the teen movies, the colors popped off the screen. Yes. I think of Romeo and Juliet. I think of The Craft, like these movies that were like 90s beauty. Right. But take it and make it like Crayola colored, like the pretty girls wear, you know, lavender and and turquoise and it matches their eyeshadow. It's like so satirical almost. And I just fucking love it. And like some of the outfits are basically ripped off the pages of Delia's. It's oh but it's like very tongue in cheek. And that's why it's so smart. Delia's. And it's dark too, which is like what's hysterical. I love it. Yes. Okay. Get hit me with another one. Oh, my last one, I actually pulled a book. I thought we were doing books too. And yes, I've been getting nerdy on this whole time. I know, I Sorry. like it. 
So I went, now I have my home office. I've moved all of my beauty, mini beauty library to my house. And I went back through and I was like, what book has like spoken to me? Um, this is The Scent of Desire by Rachel Hers. So she is a, I want to get this right. So I wrote it down, a uh, psychologist and cognitive neuroscientist at Brown University. I've interviewed her. She's an expert on fragrance and scent and how we feel about emotion. And this book has so many interesting tidbits you would not believe about the way the brain works and the way we process scent. I'm just going to throw one at you. A little bit gross. This is how we are so different. It's hilarious that we both come up with these. Um, (laughs) So basically, she did an experiment with testers and she gave them the exact same smell and she told half of them, this is Parmesan cheese. And then she told half of them, okay, you're about to smell vomit. And then she asks them to tell, to rate the scent. How do they feel about it? Whatever. Without fail. It's the exact same scent. But the people that thought it was Parmesan cheese said, oh, it's yummy. Smells edible. Makes me, reminds me of like, you know, this Italian restaurant. And then of course the people that thought it was vomit was like, I need to leave the room. I'm going to be sick. It's just an example of the way that fragrance and scent works with our brains. The neuroscientist, but she's like, it's written so you can really understand it. And it's just like a fun read. And if you're interested in fragrance and perfume and science, um, I really recommend it. The Scent of Desire. I love you. I love the way your brain works. Um, I'm going to take us in a very different direction right now. Do it. Do it. <laughs> I'm going to go with a music video. Um, I love Gwen Stefani. I do question some of the more recent <laughs> beauty moments she's had. I love her, but I'm, I'm, I'm a Gwen stan, so I'm going to stick with her through and through. But I think peak Gwen was during the least popular album, Return of Saturn, where she had the pink hair, very like Debbie Harry kind of like new wave look. So if we go back to the music video for um, the song was called New, N-E-W, Go take a look. Revisit. It is so... um, Listen, I know Gwen did not invent pink hair. Like, this was like, you know, (laughs) she's not breaking new ground here. But I don't think anyone ever did it better. And she has, like, you know, this incredible eyeliner. She kind of looks like an anime character. She is so freaking cool. Her... the, The makeup, the hairstyling, the way the pink is, like, perfect. Like, people try to do pastel hair color. It works, like, one times out of 100. This is the apex of all of it. So if you're into glamour, if you're into color, if you're into, if you're into like life, check it out. That's a good one. Um, And we'll keep posting on the Facebook group so you guys could tell us some of your beauty inspiration. Maybe you'll be as egotistical as Jess and I were (laughs) with our picks. Summer is fast approaching, which means it's shapewear season. Just kidding. It's really wedding season. But I just got an invitation to a wedding in Philadelphia. And guess what I'll be wearing? Honey love. I'm not sure about the rest of the outfit or the dress, but the shapewear is going to be honey love. Here's why. Honey love has revolutionized compression technology so you no longer have to feel like you're suffocating when you're wearing shapewear. Plus, they have lingerie-inspired design details that you'll want to show off, and all their fabrics are breathable to keep you nice and cool, which is perfect for hot days. Let me tell you a story. I remember being at a wedding, this was a few years ago, pre-Honey Love, and I wore a jumpsuit, and I wasn't sure if the bathroom door locked well, but I had to take off the entire jumpsuit and then roll down the shapewear to pee, and I was like holding onto the back of the door at the same time, completely naked in the bathroom, and it took so long, and I caused this whole backup of the bathroom line, and after that, I was like, never again. Until Honey Love came along. Honey 
Bonnie Love's Superpower Shorts have a 100% cotton gusset so you don't have to wear underwear underneath. And there's a convenient opening in the underwear area so you don't have to take off the whole thing to go to the bathroom. It's so easy. Honey Love products make you look good and feel good. Whether it's for a wedding, event, an everyday boost of confidence, Honey Love is the perfect plus one. Treat yourself to the best bras and shapewear on the market and save 20% off at honeylove.com mascara. Use our exclusive link to get 20% off. That's honeylove.com slash mascara. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them. Please support our show and tell them we sent you. Honeylove.com slash mascara for 20% off. The summer vibes are just getting started, so shape your life with Honey Love. Hey everyone, it's Jen, and I have decided this is going to be the summer of uniform dressing. I'm going to have a few pieces on heavy rotation, and I'm telling you right now, they're all going to be linen, and they're all going to be from Quince. I don't know why I'm going so hard on linen right now, but it just feels right. And Quince specializes in timeless pieces made of premium fabric, and the best part is that all the Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have premium European linen dresses, blouses, and shorts from $30. I am personally very into the 100% European linen pants. They're cropped and easy. There's even a cute pinstriped version. And when I wear them, I look like I just stepped off a yacht. Do I have a yacht? No. Do I know what yachters wear? No, but that's the vibe. The linen pants come in sizes extra small to 3X and they're less than $40. Okay, like 10 cents less, they're $39.90. But the quality is excellent and they wash really well. How does Quince do it? They cut out the cost of the middleman and pass the savings on to us. Plus, Quince works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash fat mascara for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's quince.com, Q-U-I-N-C-E, quince.com slash fat mascara to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash fat mascara. Okay, everyone, I am one of those people who, when it comes to wellness, sorry, but it's got to fit into the pockets of my day. Five minutes here, seven minutes there, when I'm like in the kitchen and I'm microwaving something long, it's got to be convenient. And that is why Aloe Moves works for me. My mindset has changed. The app makes it easy for me to keep my wellness routine on track because they have everything in one place and bite-sized little bits. Yoga, Pilates, fitness classes, mindfulness, self-care tips, healthy recipes, so much more. From beginner to advanced, Aloe Moves has the flow or class that's going to fit into your schedule. Their classes range from five minutes to an hour, depending on what you're feeling that day. You know what feeling I'm feeling most days? I'm feeling 10 minutes. I've been doing that's Joanna good. Thompson's. Right? That's about it. Yeah. That's good. 10 minutes. Joanna Thompson does these yoga lotties in 10. One day will be abs. One day will be arms. Today, Jess, is booty day. And we're just (laughs) going to get it done all in 10 minutes. If you're trying to get a good sweat, then you've got to try their award-winning workouts like the sweat-inducing yoga flows or the reformer Pilates workouts without weights. You can also find stress relief with meditations, affirmations, face yoga, gua sha, learn to do dry brushing. How many times have we talked about dry brushing on this podcast? Aloe Moves will teach you how to do it. Unlock your personal wellness routine with Aloe Moves. Go to alomoves.com now and use the code MASCARA20 for an exclusive 30-day free trial and enjoy 20% off an annual membership. That's alomoves.com, code MASCARA20. alomoves.com, code MASCARA20.
We are here with Dr. Lara Devgan. She is a board-certified plastic surgeon in New York. She works out of Lenox Hill. And I also have to tell you, she's also a host, a podcast host, too. Her podcast is called Beauty Bosses. I urge you to listen to it. It's very good. Oh, and she has her own skincare line. And while researching you, I found that you have six children. Wait, what? (laughs) It's true. I did not do that part of the research. Six (laughs) children. I have so many questions for you, but we'll save those for later. You are a very busy woman. Welcome, Dr. Dedgan. Thank you so much for having me. I love that mascara, and I'm so excited to be here. So on your Instagram, which is huge, I mean, if you guys, I'm sure some of you guys who listen, you're already following her, but you have to follow her Instagram. She's absolutely tremendous on it. You know, you had like a big analysis of uh, a New Yorker article, um, which is about Instagram and its effect on plastic surgery and, and the aesthetics and injectables, all that. And you said you're a member of the beauty achiever generation in your little analysis. What does that mean? You used it so confidently. Well, it's kind of a term that I think I kind of made up unless somebody else did and I don't know about it. But a really interesting time in our zeitgeist is the first time in human history, probably in the last decade, where people can actively change their appearance as an elective choice. And I think it's been brought on by so many different things and different factors like the advent of technology and injectables, social media, reality TV, Instagram, Facetune, Photoshop, Snapchat filters, and the confluence of all of these factors at the same time combined with interventions that are now minimal downtime and minimally invasive has meant that many more people will go to their doctor's office because they want a little bit of a smoother forehead or a little bit of a better eyebrow arch or a slightly straighter nose or a slightly fuller lip. And I I think that this is the first generation that has tried to achieve beauty, whereas in prior times and eras in medical aesthetics and plastic surgery, it's been all about eliminating flaws like, you know, Mm. this part is a little too this or not enough that. And now it's people who are already beautiful at baseline, who feel confident and body positive and love themselves and love the way they look. They just want to make an elective and medically responsible choice to maybe alter that a little bit. And how does that work, though, with you mentioned cosmetic injectables and those kind of things as a plastic surgeon versus, say, a cosmetic dermatologist? Because, say, I'm just like a nice looking person and I want to be a beauty achiever. How do I know which of those routes I'm going to go? Like just a couple injectables or give me a new nose? I think it basically depends on who you are and what you want. You know, I'm a board certified plastic surgeon. And the way I look at the world is um, through the lens of being very vertically integrated. So if someone comes into my office, what I can offer them may range from a serum for their skin to microneedling or a laser treatment or an injectable or a major surgical procedure or some combination of the above. And so when I am talking to a patient, um, what I try to do is try to meet them where they are and answer their concerns in the most tailored way possible. So like, how does that break down percentage-wise? Like, Do you spend more time now doing those less invasive things than the plastic surgery you were trained to do? I divide my time intentionally about 50-50. And right now I have a practice that could be 100% surgery or 100% non-surgical, whatever I wanted it to be. And so I've deliberately made the decision to try to keep it half and half because honestly, I think that my skill in the operating room makes the non-surgical side better. Mm. And I think that the non-surgical side changes the way I think about surgery. So at least in my own mind, the two dovetail and have a synergistic effect where I think about things a little bit differently based on the two. Yeah. Do you think other plastic surgeons are the same? Like, 
why would someone go to a plastic surgeon for a cosmetic injectable type non-surgical procedure versus going to, say, a dermatologist? Like, what are the benefits? Yeah. I mean, I'll start by saying that I think there are many talented providers of all descriptions. And, you know, you can find people with a lot of different training backgrounds who will be amazing. Yeah. Um, And it's mostly about who's a good fit for you. But my answer to that question for myself is that plastic surgery is all about three-dimensional anatomy. You know, I started the day-to-day doing a facelift, a neck lift, a surgical rhinoplasty, a bunch of cases in the operating room. And so that's handling and looking at the three-dimensional tissues of the face, breasts, and body in all of their different planes. And so that has implications not just for safety because the blood vessel and nerve structure of the body is extremely complex, but also for how to visualize something. You know, a beautiful nose isn't just like an L-shaped line you draw on a piece of paper. It's a three-dimensional pyramidal structure with a scroll area and crests and valleys, highlights and lowlights. And the sculptural quality of it, I think, really comes across in the operating room. Are you looking at us right now like we're like skinless bodies mm-hmm, and you mm-hmm, know mm-hmm. all of the parts that are inside of With us? With my x-ray vision. <laughs> yeah, that's what it sounds like a little bit. Is that how you look at people as you're like going through your day? You're like, hmm. I see you in your myofacial, whatever. I mean, I'm a totally, you know, people are normal. But it's the same way where if you walk down a city street with a a best friend who are an architect, you know, who's an architect, they'd be able to analyze the Doric columns and the Corinthian arches, et cetera, on a building. It's not like they're doing that when they go to Dwayne Reed to pick up (laughs) the building. Okay, still a cool superpower. So the context matters, yeah. Yeah. So, okay, we crowdsourced a lot of questions for this episode from our Instagram family and from our Facebook group. And if you're not already in the Facebook group, Raising a Wand, please join. There's a link on our website. Uh, but one of the biggest topics had to do with the jawline and the neckline, this like general softening of the jaw, crepey necks, the whole thing. So Orla, I'm going to shout you out. She asked, what can be done? Let's start with the double chin. There are a bunch of different options. I think from least to most invasive, I would yeah. say options are um, Kybella to help permanently dissolve fat under the chin. What, what is Kybella? Um, Kybella, is an, a, Kybella is an injectable enzyme, better known as deoxycholic acid, that's a naturally occurring dietary enzyme that digests fat that you eat. And it's been purified and FDA approved to be used as an injectable to help dissolve a double chin. Hmm. And that's the least invasive thing that you can do. Okay, then what? What's next? What's next? Uh, yeah. So with the next step up would be submental liposuction, and basically that means lipo or using a tiny surgical straw called a cannula to suck out fat in a controlled manner under the chin, and that helps chisel out the cervical mental angle and also mm-hmm. give you a more defined jawline. So that's very pretty, and it can also give you some modest skin tightening. So if you're sort of an in-between type of person or you have a little bit more fullness, submental liposuction is typically the gold standard treatment, not Kybella. Now, do you find with people who are getting any kind of you know, augmentation in this area, is it because everything fell? Or is it because they were born, like I have a friend who like genetically, she has more skin or like little, you know, pads underneath her chin. It's just like, that's her 
her That's face. Her, it's yeah. not like, oh, she is overweight. It's just like, it's just the way it looks. There's a huge genetic component yeah. to it in terms of, is that where you happen to have a little excess fullness or are your submandibular glands a little bit low or is your mom or dad or grandparents looking a little like that? Yeah. And it's more likely that you will too. Mm-hmm. And then for people who have looseness of the skin mm-hmm. or a little more laxity, I would say the best treatment is a surgical neck lift. And that's a very elegant procedure where we can hide the incisions in many cases behind the ears and tighten and reduce fullness under the neck while also improving elongation of the neck. So people asked about crepey. That word came up so much. Crepey, saggy necks. Is this something – well, Kybella wouldn't sort this out, right? Right. What, how would, are we going to tackle the neck? That's going to be thinking about a surgical neck lift. You know, I will say that there are some non-invasive modalities like use of radiofrequency energy, and that feels kind of like a hot stone massage and gives you a modest improvement in crepiness. Mm-hmm. But I think it's really important to manage people's expectations. You can't have a tiny non-surgical procedure and in your mind be secretly hoping for a surgical result, you're, you're going to be disappointed. That's good advice, no matter what we're talking about. Also, a lot, very hot topic, which <laughs> continues to be. We had on a breast plastic surgeon. It was a really good episode and people got really into it, but we still have more questions. Mm-hmm. This one's kind of specific. I don't remember the woman's name, but she said she had implants that started to quote unquote drop and she ended up needing a second surgery. We don't know how long ago the first surgery was. But do you ever do that type of thing to augment a breast augmentation that has happened before? And do people need to augment their own breast augmentation later on in life? Yes. So breast augmentation or breast implant surgery is an operation that a person should count on needing to revise at some point in their life. And the reason for that is that breast implants are not considered to be lifetime devices. But say they're still Mm. intact. They just seem lower than they were before. And so if they're intact and the implants themselves are perfect, you still may have aging-related changes or tissue-related changes like what you're describing, drooping of the breasts. So it is certainly possible and um, a good idea to reinforce the base of the breast to lift the tissues back up and lift lift the implant back into its Have you ever like gotten in there and been like, no, we're going to keep the same implants and just move them? Or at that point, is it like, let's just put in a new pair? It depends on the exact... (laughs) I'm being frank. (laughs) It depends on the exact situation. So if someone's implants have been in place for a long time, you know, a lot of progress has been made in the past 20 years in breast implants. The same way the cell phones we used 20 years ago are like the big Zach Morris brick. And now we have an iPhone 11. You know, breast implants... I want the iPhone boob implant, right? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, they've gone through the same transition. So if someone's implants have been in there for a long time and they're technically fine, you might consider swapping them out. If they um, are, you know, they're only six months old and there's a minor adjustment, you'd be more likely to keep them in. So this girl, Lindsay, thanks, Linz, she wrote us and she said, post C-section, would you recommend a tummy tuck? But I, Jessica, I'm going to add to this question. I hear like it's not just C-sections. Like if you're having kids, like things get all – I mean I'll tell you like my body's changed. So tummy tuck, surgery, what happened? And what the hell is a tummy tuck actually? Is it liposuction? I actually don't know. The first thing I'll say is that you should not rush into any cosmetic surgery procedure shortly after giving birth. How many weeks do we need to wait? I think it's ideal to wait till you're number one back at your baseline weight. And number two, at least three months after you've stopped breastfeeding, and in some cases, six months, depending on the person. Okay. But then in terms of your specific question, um, a tummy tuck is an operation where 
two things happen. First, the muscles of the abs, like the six-pack muscles, the rectus diastasis, mm -hmm. is repaired. So they're the muscles are put back together and sewn up almost like wearing a corset. So you feel a little slimmer and mm -hmm. you sit up straighter. And then the so we're changing the musculature. Exactly. So that's deep. And then the second thing that happens is more superficial, where imagine you're sitting down and you pinch all of the chubbiness between your belly button and your pubic hair line, mm -hmm. like right there. The pouch. That pouch, that infra-umbilical fullness, that entire paddle of skin that's shaped like a fish gets excised and removed and discarded, and then your abdomen is pulled taut. So a tummy tuck involves... Where's the scar? In your pubic hair line? The scar is hidden very low underneath like a bikini or an underwear okay. line. So this sounds much more involved than like Oof. somebody who says, oh, I just want, I want lipo on my stomach. Like what? Yeah. Like lipo so, is not going to do uh, any no. of this. So uh, a tummy tuck addresses the muscle, the fat, and the skin. Liposuction is basically like using a straw to suction out fat. Uh, liposuction also does not address laxity of the skin, which is looseness and loss of elasticity in the skin. Almost like if you have a brand new bathing suit and it fits taut on your body, mm -hmm. that's not the same thing as a bathing suit that you've had for 20 years and it doesn't really retain its stretchiness. Sure. Since we're on this fat loss kick, I got to get in Michelle's question here or my shell, spelled with a Y, she wants to know, and this is a rumor I've heard a lot, maybe it's a myth, maybe it's not, when you get liposuction, the kind you were talking about with the cannula earlier, then you remove that fat, but then when you gain fat again, you gain it elsewhere, like getting pockets of fat elsewhere on your body that yeah. you never had fat before. Does that happen? This is a little bit of a myth. So after liposuction, you don't gain fat in other weird places, but what happens is that if you were to gain weight, the fat would go to a different location because the fat, like, let's say you had... But it would be spread, like, evenly? Let's say you had liposuction of your abdomen. Okay. Then those fat cells that were there are no longer there. They've been discarded in medical waste. They're mm -hmm. gone. So if you... They're gone. They're never coming back. If you were to gain 20 pounds after that happened, your body would preferentially not be able to send that fullness to your abdomen anymore. So it might send it to the thighs or the next... The second place area. So it doesn't mean that fat is literally moving around. And mm -hmm. patients who stay relatively stable in weight after surgery don't need to be concerned about right. anything. I do think it's not going to be the best idea to have extreme fluctuations in weight if you can at all prevent it after you have any kind of surgical procedure. Yeah, your body wants to store energy and it needs a place and you just got rid of some of the places, right? Yeah. And I actually think that that's a good rule of thumb overall. People who don't have huge fluctuations tend to tend to have a little less wear and tear on their bodies. One of our listeners wanted to know, I forget her name now, Mara, Mara. sorry, here's Mara. If you, is there a way to, a really good resource to find a reputable surgeon? And is it maybe worth it, and I know this sounds horrible, but she said to go to one of the quote unquote fancy areas like New York City <laughs> or LA, are you gonna, is it gonna be easier to find a reputable surgeon there? And how do you how do you do this if you're not like, you know, in your neighborhood? Right. I think that that is the million dollar question. I think that I would look at, you know, my general advice to people all anywhere would be to look at the um, training and credentials of the person. See that 
see examples of their work and make sure that that is in accordance with what you have in mind. Because there are great surgeons who are known for a more voluptuous breast augmentation and great surgeons who are known for a very petite breast augmentation. And you would want to sort of gravitate toward the people that you have more of the same shared vision with. And you mentioned and the I, credentials, though. Like, what are the correct credentials? Credentials so for mind. a surgical procedure, yeah. I think you need to be board certified by the American Board of Plastic Surgery. And that is th what that means is that at a minimum, your surgeon has had uh, six years of residency fellowship training dedicated in plastic and reconstructive surgery mm -hmm. and has passed like a million, not a million literally, but a lot of different um, written, oral and ethical exams and also been evaluated by a group of their peers like plastic surgeons, five to 10 years more senior than them to make sure that their practice is in accordance with accepted standards. What percentage of surgeons are or aren't? Like, isn't, I don't know. I feel like everybody I ever talked to or we've had on the show is board certified. Well, yeah, because you guys are selecting <laughs> okay, great okay, people good point, good to point. be on the show. But so of, but like, I say think, there's 100 yeah. surgeons out there, how, what percentage are usually board certified? Well, I think in the United in States, what, 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 so what people don't realize is you can ha you can be any kind of doctor with an MD or DO after your surgery. name and do plastic yeah. surgery. Isn't that terrifying? You can be a pediatrician or an ob or an internist or an ER doctor and buy breast implants from a manufacturer, <sighs> go to a hospital, cut somebody open and put them in their body. How did they learn how to put them in then? Exactly. Exactly. Like they do one training with like the breast the breast like exactly. the implant salesman. That, that is my point. So, oh God, so that's, that's scary. why board certification okay, really means good point. at a minimum someone's okay. done like thousands of supervised. I'm getting do sweaty you, and hot <laughs> just thinking about this. Do yeah. you feel that you need if you're getting an injectable like Botox or you know filler that the person should be board certified as well? A board certified dermatologist. I think that's a trickier topic because I think that um, you know I think. Traditionally, injectables and aesthetic medicine are the domain of plastic surgery and dermatology, and I think that those are where many of the thought leaders in the fields are. But, you know, what about an ENT who's a facial plastic surgeon? What about an uh, oculoplastic surgeon who specializes in the eyes? And then furthermore, there are talented people with a variety of training backgrounds who have made a career. What if there's a nurse injector who's been doing it for 25 years and they're great? You know, so I think, I do think that um, time in the operating room adds to three-dimensional visualization. But I think that this is a little bit of an uncharted territory right now that the United States and the world are trying to figure out because the demand for injectables is growing so fast that it would not be possible for everyone who wants them to see a plastic surgeon or dermatologist. It, it, there, something needs to be different about how these procedures are being delivered, but I don't have a great answer for that. I mean, I, I host master classes for um, doctors and surgeons and nurses from all over to try to teach some of these topics, but I, I think that there's no set curriculum. And in mm -hmm. many ways, the rules and laws lag the ethics. So in some states, you all you have to B, it's like there are a bare minimum level of qualifications needed to be able to buy Botox or filler. It doesn't mean you know how to inject it. And yeah. sometimes the consequences can be dire. You know, there have been cases of tissue necrosis and blindness from people who don't totally know what they're doing who are doing the procedure. It's so frightening. Can we ask you an easier question? Yeah. One that I have an answer to. Yeah. <laughs> like about the products you use that you look so damn good. <laughs> and with your six own mind, kids, too. I can't like I'm like, how are you Doing this, dun, 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 how, dun, how, how do you, how do you stay refreshed, looking, yeah. and amazing? Well, what's in your makeup bag, doctor? Well, um, 
some of the things that I do um, are really just focused on the basics of what I think of as science-backed skincare. So I think there's a huge body of literature to support using a retinoid, a vitamin C, a hyaluronic, and an SPF on your skin. Which are your favorites Which, of each? So, Go. I mean, my skincare line, mm -hmm. I designed and formulated to be what I think is the best, so that's what I use. But generally speaking, I think the category of hyaluronic vitamin C, SPF, and retinoid. And, you know, my skincare line, Dr. Devon Scientific Beauty, is um, started as just like an adjunct for my patients because I was taking care of all of these people with injectables, laser, surgery, and I wanted to give them an at-home regimen. So I developed this thinking that it would stay in office. And in an extremely short amount of time, way beyond my expectations, it totally skyrocketed. And so um, we're um, also sold it. Um, Violet Gray. We've gotten some Best of Beauty awards. We've been featured in all different kinds of publications. And then now I'm excited to announce that we're launching at Sephora. Major. Oh, wow. so it's going to be really awesome. What's the one product? If, if people listen to the show and they said, I want a Dr. Devian product, but I can only afford one, which is the one that they should get? Well, the one that I think has been most game changing is Platinum Long Lash. And it's an eyelash growth serum that is safe in pregnancy and nursing and doesn't contain any prostaglandins like in Latisse. Doesn't change your eye color. It doesn't darken the skin around your no eyes. No droopy, droopy eyelid. No droopy I lids. I tried something once. I got a droopy. Droopy eyelid. Uh-oh. Yeah, but they a non-prescription? Yeah, non-prescription. This is a separate topic. Yeah, I never no. heard that story. Oh, yeah, well, no, it, was, it was very what, upsetting. How does it enhance though. your lashes then? What so basically, um, it uses pro-vitamin B5 and clover flower extract to almost act the way a fertilizer supports the growth of grass, where um, basically by using the serum every day, it increases the average lifespan of every eyelash by about 20 to 25 percent. And eyelashes are like the hair on your head where they'll keep growing and growing and growing until they die. So if you can get your eyelashes to live a month longer and they have a four to five month growth cycle, then you've gotten a, 20, How many millimeters a, did 20, I get? a 25 percent increase oh. in lash length. So it keeps those lashes in. It keeps them in okay. and it, it also improves... Um, the rate of new baby lash growth. Oh, wow. Um, and uh, lash length. So um, that's been like the most game-changing product. And then if you're more of a skin junkie and you're less you're less about lashes, I would say the Hyaluronic Serum is amazing. And it's a mixed molecular weight one. So the tiny fragments go into the skin and the bigger mm -hmm. ones lie on top. So very nice, supple product. Supple. Great. Supple. I'm going to get an elegant neck lift and a supple Hyaluronic acid <laughs> serum. I love the way you One talk about that. One-stop shop at our office. Yeah, yeah. Thank you so and, much for all the good you. info. Oh, my God. You're so welcome. Let's all go be beauty achievers <laughs> in a good way. So I hope you guys liked Ask a Plastic Surgeon. It is time to raise a wand. Are you ready, Jess? I'm ready. What you got for me? Okay. This is a little bit scary, but really helpful. I am raising a wand I need to tell you the backstory. So I was making pasta the other night and I splashed boiling water on my hand. And my first thought was, holy shit, I cannot go to the emergency room right now. That is not what they need. I was like, let me go right under the cold water. I ran it under cold water for 10 minutes straight. 
um, which really helped. I could see the spots where I had ran under cold water was much better, Ugh. but I still got like a little first degree burn. It's barely blistered on my That's hand. That's so horrible. I know. I was just like, this is not, I'm just, you know me, I'm super clumsy, but I was like, I can't right now. So, and also there's not a lot of, I didn't feel like going out to the pharmacy. So I had in my uh, medicine cabinet, Skin Fix, you know, that brand Remedy 911 ointment. I was like, this is appropriate. Yes. So I, I slathered it on. I am not kidding you this there's something in this it's better even than like an aquaphor or a vaseline because i know you're supposed to put aloe vera and really hydrate a burn um it was so good i put it on it's very soothing there's nothing cooling or calming in it it's really just a protectant and occlusive and went to bed with it on and then i was like this stuff is so good so i started basting my lips with it that's what um dr shireen idris calls it when she puts like a moisturizer or um something over her lips and just lets it sit for a while so i've been basting both my burn and my lips in skin fix remedy 911 ointment raise a wand to this stuff that seems like something we need right now also for like good for chapped hands that could be good oh yeah if you're washing your hands a lot it's a good one so what are you raising a wand to um i have not been sleeping both because of the climate um and just an erratic sleeping schedule with lake um she is not going to want a pretty good sleeper but my i've always had like darkness under my eyes natural darkness but um, now it's even worse. And the Becca Under Eye Brightener is a concealer that I'm telling you, this baby packs a punch. It takes a lot of balls for me to recommend a $32 concealer right now. <laughs> I just, I, I am cognizant. But um, I've been saving this one since the moment I got home from the hospital. You know, concealer is a tricky product. A lot of people want to know which one really works. This is when you really need like a workhorse product. This is not a frou-frou product. Um, And I think we all spend a lot of money looking for the one. Um, If I had to narrow down my concealers to like the top three, I would put this as a top three. This is a pot. It is a creamy pot. It is a very creamy, creamy formula. Um, I use the light to medium. It has kind of a pinkish tint to it, which is nice because as we know, like the, what, what is it like peach counteracts like blue Right, Jen? Yeah, when, they, when they're those under-eye brighteners, not just regular concealers, they tend to have a peachy or pinky um, cast to them for a medium and fair skin. For dark skin, I think it's slightly different, but I know Becca is really good about, you know, they change up the shades throughout the range, so it's always not the same formula. Right. So you love it? I love it, and I have very dry under-eyes, so I get skeeved if the formula is not creamy enough because then it's like that gross feeling where you're dragging dry formula against dry under eyes this is really nice you just pat it don't rub it boom you are good okay cool and so on the next episode also there's going to be a drinking game drink every time jess says creamy (laughs) (laughs) thanks for listening our show is produced by at will media be sure to follow us on instagram at fat mascara go to fatmascara.com to get a link to our private facebook group and hit us up if you have a beauty question you can send it to us at info at fatmascara.com we'd love if you send us a voice memo we also want to hear your razor wands send those to the same address info at fatmascara.com and if you like what you're hearing please Please leave us a review on iTunes. Just throw us some stars.